Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. Remember, you can also join us Thursday, October 29th from 7 to 8.30 p.m., just a few days before the election. We are going to gather via Zoom for a smart politics happy hour. We're going to talk about ballots. We're going to talk about opinions on local and national races. We'll talk about what might happen after November 3rd. I think there are still lots of questions about how things will unfold after we're done voting. We can discuss it all while we all stay safe in our own homes and connect via Zoom. So Smart Politics COVID style is happening again Thursday, October 29th. It's just in two days from 7 to 8.30 p.m. To participate, all you have to do is register before the event begins, and you do that at wdet.org slash events. Up first today, if you live in Detroit, you've either already seen Proposal N on your ballot or you're going to see it when you vote on November 3rd. Maybe you've seen yard signs or billboards to tell you to vote yes or no, but I think it's pretty safe to say that for a lot of people, they don't really know what Proposal N is. And that's why we're spending some time today talking about it on the show. Simply put, Prop N is a city-led initiative to borrow $250 million to eliminate blight throughout the city. But how big of an impact would those funds make in that effort, and how would it more deeply affect City finances. Here to answer those questions and to tell us a little more about the Prop and Ballot Initiative are two people who work for the city of Detroit and are really closely connected to the proposal. Arthur Jemison is the group executive for planning, housing, and development for the city of Detroit. Arthur, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, hello, glad to be here. Yes. See you again, Stephen. Good to have you. And also with us is Dave Masseron, who is the chief financial officer for the city of Detroit. David, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear from you about, uh, about Proposal N2. If you're a listener, if you live in the city of Detroit, if you live in a neighborhood where abandoned houses and demolition are ongoing issues, uh, give us a call. Tell us what you're thinking about Proposal N. Tell us what you're thinking about uh, the state of your neighborhood, the state of uh, blight in, in your neighborhood and in the city. Uh, we won't be able to take calls in this segment because we've got two guests uh, already on the phones, but we can queue them up for the next segment where we're going to talk uh, with reporter Nathan Bomey about the financial side of, of all of this. So again, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we can include them in the conversation. Okay, Arthur and Dave, I want to start here and give you guys just – uh, a, a chance to talk about what Proposal N is and why you are asking the residents of the city of Detroit to embrace it. Arthur, uh, sure. go ahead. So um, thanks for having me on. Uh, the, the, the very quick uh, response is Proposal N uh, proposes to um, preserve 8,000 vacant and abandoned houses in Detroit and to demolish another 8,000 vacant and abandoned houses. 
in the city. Um, it proposes to do that, um, putting a, a huge emphasis on making sure that Detroit-based uh, and headquartered companies perform uh, that work. Um, we believe that more than 50 percent uh, of all the contracts, uh, and we can uh, make sure that 51 percent of all the work hours are performed by Detroit-based companies and Detroiters. Uh, and we can do this uh, while keeping uh, people's taxes uh, where they are um, and not not having them rise. So uh, that's the, the basic uh, elements of what we're doing. Just to kind of get a little bit further into detail, um, you know, one of the things that the preconditions that have allowed us to do some of the work we've done, for example, in strategic neighborhoods where we've been able to combine city funding, philanthropic uh, investment, uh, state uh, and, and private investment together. You know, one of the things that each of those neighborhoods had in common before uh, they became strategic neighborhood fund target areas was uh, they had the benefit of a significant amount of demolition, um, and they also had the benefit of, of new people uh, and uh, people who'd been there for a long time uh, redeveloping uh, or reoccupying vacant structures, uh, sometimes with the encouragement of the city uh, and, and city uh, programs. Um, what we're hoping to do is is go to those parts of the city where um, the combination of HHF, um, hard hit funds, uh, and city funds were not able to take down mm-hmm. uh, vacant and abandoned houses um, and bring some of the things that made those other neighborhoods um, got them on their road to success, bring them to uh, to more parts of the city. Uh, for too long, um, the parts of the city like um, Narden Park or mm-hmm. Maple Ridge or uh, Osborne um, haven't been able to get the full benefit of the things that um, our neighborhood development programming um, and that we do and, and the work that the land bank does haven't been able to get the benefit of it. And sort of speaking from my end of the business, um, having these houses down and the ones that can be saved, uh, preserved for rehabilitation uh, will help us get more of the city uh, on the road that people, uh, at least people who speak with me, uh, recognize as uh, as getting uh, as get as coming along in the right direction. Yeah. So, so we have a long history with demolition in the city. Uh, Thirty some forty years, we've been tearing down houses as people have left neighborhoods and 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 houses have become abandoned. Um, I, I, I want to ask you, Arthur, about the the controversy that often has surrounded demolition. There have been uh, kind of uh, fiascos with. Uh, with with legal hurdles, there has been environmental concerns. Uh, the Free Press just uh, just recently had a big story about the environmental concerns with lead, uh, with demolition and and its effect on on children. Uh, give me give me the reason that uh, you think this is different than what people will point to in the past to say. Yeah, maybe this is a good idea, but I don't. I don't trust that the city can do this, do it safely, and do it effectively. Well, um, there's a. This is a very robust subject, so I'll just try to give you the uh, the, the fastest gist of it. The um, the city last year made 
a proposal to the council to do some things that are similar to what's in proposal N and, and others that aren't. Um, you know, in that process, we spent a lot of time with council members. We spent a lot of time with some of the um, people who do um, evaluations of the city's work. Um, we spent a, a lot of time with community members. And uh, the, the message we took away was that we, we needed to do some things differently. So uh, in the proposal that that's on the uh, that, that people are considering on uh, next a week from today, there's a, a series of reforms that are built in, and they want to go to the Proposal Land website. Uh, it's under HRD in uh, on the city's website. They can see some of the things we propose to do. By way of example, um, the majority of the demolition work uh, performed um, in the city over the last six years was sort of funded through uh, the land bank and uh, and overseen by the DBA. And so what we're doing is we're creating a new department uh, inside the city where the council will have um, jurisdiction and approval over all of the work. Um, you know, until recently, it's only been about 20% of the demolitions were uh, were funded and and, uh, and paid for through hard uh, hit funds. Uh, the, under these funds, all of the work will be performed, contracted, approved, or in some cases not approved uh, by the Detroit City Council. Um, so this way you have a city department that's under city direct uh, jurisdiction and control uh, that'll be um, doing the work. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll have a new a new leadership in that department, which we've we've added through uh, Ms. Wilmot Counts. You'll have um, and you'll have council approving every single contract uh, that goes forward using the money. We also are empaneling a group of. Uh, sort of advisory council of people, day-to-day uh, -day citizens named by the council and the administration to oversee the work. Um, it, some of these were recommendations, among these things were recommendations that came to us from the Auditor General and others who have given comments about uh, the way that the program is operated. Um, there's, there's, a, there's information about each of the things you mentioned, Stephen, um, the, the matter related to um, our uh, implementation of a policy of uh, about when demolition should take place. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of responses to each of those things. I don't think you have enough radio time for me to do <laughs> right. it. But, um, but I, I would like to say if, if people want more information about that, I, I'd love to come on and just talk about some of the things uh, about demolition, uh, both for good and bad. Because I think one thing we are trying to establish here is that um, we're undertaking something that no one's tried to do really in the country before, mm -hmm. and when you do that, um, you know, there's going to be uh, there's going to be mistakes. And I think the question really needs to be: uh, Are we coming forward more and, and providing the kind of transparency that means that when we do a great job, people can see it, and then when uh, when something uh, doesn't go right, uh, people can see it and they can see that we make changes to improve the work we're doing. I mean, David may have something to add, but mm. hopefully that gets to your question. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave Masseron, you're the city's chief financial officer. This is a proposal that has financial implications for the city. Uh, talk about the impact of borrowing $250 million, floating those bonds to, to be able to do this, and whether that makes sense for a city that is still trying to make sure that it stays on its feet after uh, the municipal bankruptcy. Sure, Stephen. Um, I'd start with what the plan of adjustment uh, or what the city's plan exiting bankruptcy was to fund this activity. 
And that was to fund it from accumulated annual surpluses, meaning that the city would spend less every year and use that money that that it didn't spend in the next year to pay for demolition and other capital needs. Um, because the assumption at the time was the city's financial house would not be in order to do what every other city in America does, which is access the market um, to pay for these things. And really, there have been two developments since that original plan. One is in 2018, and again, we're closing a transaction today, the markets have opened up to the city, and the third-party validators of the rating agencies have praised the financial management of the city, and we've had seven positive rating actions since the bankruptcy. So we have access to the market. The other thing that's happened is we've had a pandemic, which has caused an economic contraction, which has limited the ability of the general fund to pay for these activities. This debt is paid from a separate revenue source, completely different from the general fund, and enables us to continue the activity while also keeping our general fund healthy and able to meet its long-term obligations of both providing services to our residents and paying our long-term pension obligations. So from a financial standpoint, given the historically low interest rates that the city was able to obtain just today, it makes uh, complete sense, in my view, to continue to access the markets to undertake important uh, investments in our neighborhoods going forward. Hmm. I, I want to ask about the possibility that Proposal N doesn't pass. I mean, it's always uh, a possibility, a potential that uh, you won't get this done. The council did say no to a similar proposal last year. I suppose voters could, could say the same thing. What would happen uh, with abandoned houses in the city if that happens. And I ask that not only as uh, the host of the show here, but uh, as somebody who has returned to the neighborhood where I was born uh, to, to do work, to, to make things better. Um, and, you know, we have still 15 some abandoned houses on the very block uh, where the house where I lived when I, when I was a very small child uh, is. I mean... If we don't pass Proposal N, what happens with uh, with properties like that in neighborhoods like that? Well, Stephen, I really appreciate you asking that question because our hope, Arthur and I, on coming on this is that voters have all the information uh, at their fingertips to make a decision on the basis of that information. And, and, and one of the things that everybody, every resident in the city, I think already knows, but I want to emphasize, is the city lost $410 million of revenue from its general fund last year and this year. We have $410 million less than we expected because of the pandemic that began in March. That means there are simply not resources to undertake demolition or rehab activity supported from the general fund going forward. In fact, if one were to look at our four-year plan and we adopt four-year budgets, the demolition department is zeroed out in next year uh, next fiscal year and, and going forward, because there simply aren't resources to fund it. If this isn't going to pass, I, I assume that we would be able to, from cobbling together different sources of funding, continue emergency demolitions, meaning demolitions where there's a life and safety impact, meaning a house is going to fall on another or onto a sidewalk. Mm -hmm. But that would be the extent of what we could fund. Okay. Arthur Jemison, Group Executive for Planning, Housing, and Development for the City, mm -hmm. and Dave Masseron, Chief Financial Officer for the City of Detroit. Uh, of course, we would love to have had 
a lot more time. We could have gotten way into the details of, of this proposal, but I really do appreciate you guys coming on to at least give us the broad strokes. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. We're very happy you've done it. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about Prop N. We're going to welcome journalist Nathan Bomey to the program. He is uh, someone who spent a lot of time thinking and writing about the city's finances. He's going to talk about the impact of proposal N that way. And we want to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. What do you think about borrowing $250 million to tear down more abandoned houses in the city of Detroit? We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about Proposal N on the ballot November 3rd here in the city of Detroit. It is a ballot proposal that would allow the city to float $250 million worth of bonds to spend money, more money, tearing down abandoned houses in the city and repairing some of those homes and trying to sell them. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, what are your questions about Proposal N? If you're living in the city of Detroit, are you planning to vote yes or no on Proposal N? Uh, also, give us a call. Tell us what the state of your neighborhood is uh, when it comes to abandoned houses. Are you somebody who lives on a block with a lot of blighted or abandoned houses around you? Uh, do you think that the city should borrow money to get rid of those houses or to change the state of those houses. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Also, we'd love to hear uh, from folks who are skeptical of the idea of tearing down houses. As I said in the previous segment, when we were talking with city officials, we have been thinking about and talking about and dealing with demolition for most of my life here in the city of Detroit, and it has not gone all that well. There's lots of problems with the way that the program is managed and administered going back to, to many long-gone administrations. Uh, there are environmental concerns about when we tear down houses and, and what that causes uh, for our health uh, in the city of Detroit. Uh, give me a sense if you also uh, worry about the idea of more demolition, uh, more money for demolition. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. I want to welcome another voice to this conversation as well. Nathan Bomey is a business reporter with USA Today, and he is someone who has followed Detroit's municipal finances for a really long time. He is the author of Detroit Resurrected to Bankruptcy and Back. Uh, Nathan, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good to be back. How are you, Stephen? I'm good. Um, so uh, is Prop N a good idea in the context of the city's finances, which, as I pointed out to the city officials, we're still trying to get firmly back up on our feet after after the bankruptcy. Things are going pretty well. We're going in the right direction. 
But if you borrow $250 million, you are at least, uh, I think, uh, signaling uh, you know, uh, a, a return to the kind of behavior that got us in trouble in the first place. Well, I think it's really important to be very careful. You know, this is a city that is less than six years out of Chapter 9 bankruptcy, the largest Chapter 9 bankruptcy in U.S. history. And to see the city's finances in to go from that state to a position where they're potentially able to borrow a quarter of a billion dollars to invest in city services is pretty remarkable uh, because it does signal that you know, the city is in stable enough condition that investors are you know, likely to lend them the money, albeit at slightly higher rates than what you know an investment-grade city might be able to get. But um, the question of whether the city should borrow is is really tough, you know, because on one hand, I think it is very risky. Uh, you know, any city that was bankrupt. Uh, just about a half a decade ago, should think long and hard about borrowing again when borrowing is one of the reasons they were bankrupt to begin with. On the other hand, I don't think that Detroit can wait too long to can, to invest in city services. It's a city that continues to struggle with population loss and obviously, you know, uh, service trouble throughout the city. Blight, as you just were talking about in your own neighborhood and neighborhoods throughout the city, continues to weigh on property uh, on property values which weigh on property taxes, which ultimately funds the city budget. So it's a really interesting circle of life. And it's not like your typical city service where you're, say, investing in a new bus or something that may not have a direct impact on the city's uh, financial position. But here, you know, property values do. And so it is something to consider. And um, without getting too far into the weeds, um, can you explain, explain from a financial standpoint how this works. I, I always think it's worth trying to unpack how bond issues work and and how long that kind of debt stays around once you borrow it. Well, ultimately, bonds are really just about uh, lending, you know, asking investors to put the money up front for, uh, you know, a certain, uh, it's, it's not the, unlike a mortgage for a homeowner, you know, in the sense that the city is going to pay interest rates that are higher than a typical investment grade city because they're considered a, a bigger risk. Uh, when you look at the Detroit bankruptcy, the city had about a billion or so dollars in uh, general obligation bonds, which are similar to what they're about to issue here, potentially. And those bonds were not, were definitely not paid back in full. Let's put it that way. And the investors got uh, themselves in a really tough position there, which is so interesting to me that here we are seeing the city essentially promise to provide the same types of bonds to investors who then uh, could potentially get those uh, bonds cut if the city were to end up in bankruptcy again, God forbid. So, um, so it does suggest that investors don't think the city is on the edge of something like that. Uh, of course, we haven't seen the bonds actually in the market yet, and it, that wouldn't happen, of course, unless uh, voters sign off. So do you think this is the best way to get this done? I mean, uh, are, are there other possibilities that the city could have thought about to achieve this goal? Well, it's really tough because I think right now we're – we're talking about everything in terms of BP and AP, like before pandemic and after pandemic. I mean, before the pandemic, um, you know, the city had a much better situation, obviously not flush with cash, but had, for example, you know, three casinos that were generating quite a lot of tax revenue. Now we're in the midst of a pandemic that is 
really, really incredibly difficult for the casinos and, of course, has significantly hurt their revenue. And that's one of the city's most important pieces of revenue. And so when you don't have that on hand, um, the, the belt tightening that the city has had to do has already been really tough. And I don't think they can do much more to uh, pay for something like blight remediation. So I don't think there are many other options for the city in the short run, maybe in the long run. But if you want to do it, it might be a matter of borrow to do this or don't do it at all. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell me what you think about Proposal N, the ballot initiative here in Detroit to borrow $250 million to continue the demolition that has been with us for a really long time here in the city. Uh, the city says this time it will be able to all but eliminate blight in Detroit uh, with this money. Uh, do you believe that? Uh, do you think the city is well positioned to be able to deliver on that promise if we pass Proposal N? Also, tell me what's going on in your neighborhood. Uh, are you somebody who lives with abandoned houses? Uh, are you somebody who has hoped for a long time that something would be done with them and you see this as your chance? Or are you skeptical about demolition? Are you worried about the environmental impact of uh, demolition in neighborhoods? Something that the Free Press recently wrote a very large story about. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there. We've got a lot of folks here who want to participate in the conversation. Let's start with Gil in Detroit. Gil, welcome to yes, the show. Yes, how are you this morning? I'm good. Okay, my comment, I am, I'm for proposal, and I live in the area of 8 Mile Road and Ryan Road. Mm -hmm. uh, I belong to two block clubs, and my opinion is it's a good idea, except there should be follow-up on the vacant lots that we have now. They're turning into parking lots. They're turning into people that just store junk. And there's no enforcement, no police enforcement as far as giving blight tickets or things of that nature. So that, that's my comment. Hmm. So yeah, I, I think that's a really important question, Gil. Um, the, the, this idea that eliminating uh, an abandoned house is the end game, I think, is part of the problem with our thinking in the city over, over the past couple of decades because – once the house is gone, you do have a vacant lot there. And, and if there's no plan to either develop that lot or at least maintain it, uh, you, you end up with another set of problems. They are not nearly the same set of problems that you have with abandoned houses. I understand that. Um, but it, it does it does raise uh, questions about that. Uh, Nathan, as I said, we've been, we've been dealing with this for a really long time. I have never seen a comprehensive plan for dealing with what's left over after we demolish houses uh, in the city. And of course, Proposal N does not, uh, does not offer that either. Yeah, just because you eliminate the blight doesn't mean you eliminate the eyesore. And I think that that's why the blocking and tackling of this type of proposal is really key. You, you can't just throw a lot of money at something and make a problem go away. So I do think that the devil is in the details here. And 
you know, to see how exactly the city handles this from a land use perspective is going to be really key. And, you know, if I think back to the Detroit Future City Project, you know, the plan that essentially, you know, really did map out land use um, for the entire city, it was always really interesting and possibly had some, you know, really productive and thoughtful uh, outcomes embedded in it. But ultimately, there was really no way to execute that kind of plan without major, um, you know, funding of sorts. So, Ultimately, you know, I think the really uh, niche sort of very uh, micro uh, elements of this kind of plan are going to be key. And the management uh, of the blight process in the past, as you mentioned, and my former colleagues, our former colleagues at the Detroit Free Press have reported, has been very poor. So, you know, you have to be concerned about the way that this kind of money is going to be spent. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Gil. Thanks very much for your call and your comments. Let's go to Maurice in Detroit. Maurice, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, yeah just to pick up on that on the last point there uh, that you just made. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure why I voted against proposal in mainly because I'm not sure why uh, folks in Detroit, especially in Detroit's uh, black neighborhoods and lower income neighborhoods should trust the city again to do a blight removal or demolition process when that went so poorly before. Um, and just throwing one more thing in there, you know, when we're, when we're talking about ways to pay for things, it never seems that we, we talk about, uh, you know, getting rid of tax abatements or corporate giveouts or um, forcing Dan Gilbert to pay at least a penny in taxes to us. It's always a bond issuance or increases in taxes in other ways, mm. um, which I think is a, a broader systemic problem of how the city thinks of solving the problems that plague us. Yeah, how Never it go after the corporate actors, but always do things that harm low-income communities. Yeah. Maurice, those are great points. I'm really glad you uh, you called and and shared your thinking there. Uh, Nathan, th- there is this long-standing debate in Detroit about who pays for what. Uh, and especially in the last 10 to 15 years, as we've seen reinvestment in the city uh, that we hadn't seen before, there, there are lots of questions about how we leverage that to be able to make things better for everybody in the city, not just people in the places where it's being invested. Maurice says, look, we should be looking to the corporate community to help uh, pay for more of this than than they do. Does that does that make sense? Is that something that other cities are doing a little better even than Detroit is? Well, I do think that it's a good argument in the sense that you know you can ha- make a case that the city should take a step back and take a much more holistic approach and you know start to try to uh, you know force the corporations in the city to uh, participate more. Obviously, some of that speaks to some of the issues with uh, corporate tax abatements and such with things like the, you know, the, the arena downtown. But, you know, I would also point to the fact that, you know, corporations in Detroit pay, you know, city income tax, which which ultimately is not the case in most American cities. And so, uh, you know, I, I, it sort of depends on how you look at it. And um, to the, the college other point of, you know, whether or not the city can be trusted to manage this sort of thing because it has had troubles in the past. Mm-hmm. I, 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 again, I think that's a really important point. 
But I also think that just because I got a C on this on the midterm doesn't mean I can't get an A in the final, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I do I do think there has to be room for improvement when it comes to an operational standpoint. I'm not here to say whether or not the city's learned from its lessons, but <laughs> I do think that there is room, you know, for that possibility. Yeah, yeah. Maurice, appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go to Francis in Detroit. Francis, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Um, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple points. On a macro level, um, it has just frustrated me to no end that we allow for housing to be built, you know, 20, 30 miles from the city center um, in a flat growth region. You know, we're not growing as a city or a region, um, but we have, you know, eight, uh, uh, thousands of lots vacant and we continue to demolish um, housing. Mm-hmm. On a practical level, in terms of this proposal, you know, you had mentioned being frustrated by decades and decades of, of demolition not going right. And I acknowledge blight as a, a huge issue in the city and, and people struggled with that and that something needs to be done. But uh, my my interest in, in sort of thinking more holistically in terms of some of these um, points that have been raised is that we really need to get at this pipeline earlier in the process to prevent houses from being in a state where they need to be um, uh, demolished or, or, or in such a bad state. And, and it just makes me um, sad that bond money can't be used for um, widespread, you know, home repair programs or training programs. And it, it is good that Proposal N includes some of that thinking, but I just think it needs to be a lot more comprehensive. And that's really, I think, what we need to be um, looking to in terms of this strategic thinking about uh, demolition and how we take care of land in the mm-hmm. city. So so before I uh, address those points and ask uh, Nathan to talk about it, Francis, give me an idea of what you're doing with your ballot here. Are you voting yes on N uh, with reservations I, I, or are you voting no? I, I see, um, it, I'll just say I uh, won't share, but I have trouble <laughs> with it. Um, I've struggled with it. Um, yeah. But I, I do acknowledge that blight needs to be um, taken care of. So yeah. I, I, I appreciated the Free Press's uh, stand on, on Proposal N not being good enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Free Press uh, in editorial board said uh, that they recommended a no vote on this uh, for those reasons. Uh, Francis, I really appreciate the call. Uh, and and the thoughts, uh, Nathan. This idea of stopping the flow of residential properties into the state that requires demolition is something I think we've gotten absolutely wrong here in in the city. And Francis talks about a couple things, you know, making sure people have opportunity to maintain their properties. But the other thing that I think is a, a big sort of elephant in the room is the tax foreclosure issue. Uh, most of the properties that you find in the land bank that would be demolished or have to be repaired were taken by the government for non-payment of, of property taxes. And that's something we haven't really solved uh, as a long-term issue. And so if you spend $250 million tearing down houses now, who's to say you won't need another $250 million in five to 10 years because you continue to, to push houses through this process where uh, they are not occupied by families, but uh, but they're empty. Yeah, I mean, you can't 
cup out the water from the bath if the faucet's still on, you know? So yeah, I think, exactly. I, I think it's a huge issue. And, uh, but again, that sort of requires, I'd almost say, more than just addressing the tax foreclosures, but taking a step back and addressing state policy and federal policy and, you know, all kinds of things that, you know, the, that really we may have to wait decades to address in the sense that, you know, we just because, uh, you know, there are going to be more blighted homes coming doesn't mean you want to, you don't want to address the ones that are there. So it's, it is, it's a really difficult issue. And, and I don't think there are any easy answers. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Eleanor and Jefferson Chalmers, a wonderful east side neighborhood here in the city. Eleanor, what's on your mind? Hi. Hi. So I am a proponent of Proposal N. I have seen um, many benefits in our neighborhood that I would like to see also for Maple Ridge and the other neighborhoods. And so this seems like it would be a great opportunity for those other neighborhoods to um, get some sorely needed attention. I know, um, for example, Maple Ridge in the last census, the, um, the it's um, hard to reach people in that area. I think people are somewhat disenfranchised and perhaps um, getting some attention would make people, um, you know, feel like feel more like they're a part of things and um, can participate more um, in the um, civic and governmental processes. Um, I think that they have, um, the fact that they have looked at the issues that have been complained about and recognized in the past, there's um, changing processes, getting the council involved, and um, that's a good thing. And also, I believe... Well, um, it's not just demolition that would happen, but also um, neighborhood neighborhoods and um, community groups would um, also be involved in um, development. Like it's not just that properties would be demoed. So it just seems like a um, has different components that um, are appealing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, Eleanor, I really appreciate the the call and the perspective uh, there on, on different neighborhoods, different parts of the city that could uh, that could benefit from this. And I think that's one of the things that the city is really selling is that places that have been left out of demolition for a long time could actually see it happen uh, if this passes. Nathan Bowman, it seems to me that's that's the, the, the primary sell here. If, if it's going to pass, it's going to be because people believe that their neighborhood uh, will benefit, that their neighborhood will be included. This is an example of, uh, you know, a political issue in which your vote actually could literally make a difference for what you see next door. And, you know, and the question is, is it worth it? Do we, are we taking too much of a risk to get that benefit? And, you know, I certainly can't, can't say that, but I have a question for you, Stephen, which mm-hmm. is um, do what, how do you think this, uh, the outcome on this will be affected by the fact that the city is putting it on the election in a general election presidential year, which you're likely to have significant turnout. I mean, I imagine you're going to have some people at the polls who don't vote that often. And do you think they'll cast a ballot here or do you think that that will make it more or less likely to pass? You know, that's a great question. I, I, I think it is likely to pass because Detroiters embrace the idea that giving 
you know, government more money to do its job will result in better outcomes. And, and it, that's a longstanding belief in the city. I, I posted something on social media a couple of weeks ago asking when the last time was that anyone could remember that Detroiters turned down a millage increase or a bond issue uh, of any kind. Uh, and and I, I, we couldn't come up with one. Um, uh, I, I, I think Detroiters believe that this is the way to, to fix things. And, and I also believe that, that, you know, so many people in the city live in neighborhoods where their children walk past these houses every day, where they are concerned about, you know, the, the animals who are inside, the illicit activity that happens inside uh, abandoned houses. I know in the neighborhood where I was born, that is a huge, huge issue. Um, I, I, I have a hard time seeing how Detroiters turn this down. But, uh, okay, again, you know, it, I predict lots of things that don't come true. <laughs> so, so, so who knows? But, but the turnout question, I think, is 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 interesting. I don't know whether they will whether they will do better or worse because of the heavy of the heavy turnout. I, my guess is it it won't make a huge difference. That this is the kind of thing that Detroiters just always say, yeah, yeah let's give it a let's give it a try. And even after they've been burned, I think uh, they've demonstrated. Uh, a willingness to do that so so we'll see yeah my my sense is the budget hawks are less likely to you know they're going to be a smaller percentage of this of this electorate than you would typically see in in say an off-year election so i would be surprised i guess if it doesn't pass for the same reasons you cited because everyone can envision the idea that something like this could literally improve their neighborhood again doesn't mean that the city should do it ultimately the city needs to think about the fact that Borrowing has hurt it in the past and has hurt, for example, retirees who, who had pension cuts during the Detroit bankruptcy and even bondholders who a lot of people don't have much sympathy for. But they also endured cuts, of course, during the bankruptcy. So, you know, borrowing too much to pay the bills does have a negative effect sometimes. That right. doesn't mean it'll have a negative effect this time. Right. Yeah. OK. Nathan Bomey, business reporter with USA Today. Always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks very much for coming by. Still fan, Stephen. Thanks. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. All right. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with journalist Anna Clark, who has a new essay in Crane's Detroit Business saying Michigan's failures in cities like Flint and Detroit should inform a new national urban strategy. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Mm-hmm. 